This is the Macabre Family Hour. We are back. It has been way too long, and we don't even know how to just start it back up, but we're going to try really hard. Cass, how are you? I'm good. I don't even know what to say. I feel um, like uh, we've been gone for a long time. Yeah, I guess we could say sorry. Yeah, sorry. We suck. We're sorry. Yeah. But we're here now. Yeah, and it's the most wonderful time of the year, and that is fall. Yep, October too. <laughs> Spooky season. Everyone's favorite season. Yeah. Okay. So first, we're gonna we're just gonna pull a tarot card for the podcast today. Um, oh, that's a nice change up. Yeah, I think so too. I've been trying to do like daily readings, so just practicing. One day we'll talk about tarot cards on the podcast, but for now, let's just uh, pull a card. All right. Let's do it. All right. Two of Pentacles reversed. Let's see what it means. I don't. I haven't memorized these either. One day. One day. Yeah. We'll just keep having to draw them until you get it. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. In an inverted position, the Two of Pentacles warns that you are overcommitted and at times struggling maintain your overloads, overloaded schedule or stay on top of your bills. Others might not see it yet, but the stress is getting to you, and you may even catch yourself dropping the ball. Follow this card's lesson and get organized. You may need to bring more structure to your responsibilities through budgets, to-do lists, forward planning, or a diary and effective time management. So basically, oh, that's good advice on- for everybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or for our podcast, you know, get organized. We need to get going on these. Yep. I do like those broad stroke advices. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Me too. Yeah. Um, we also right. have a few things to share today. We do. Uh, we do. We were featured on a blog, which is pretty cool. Wow. The, I know. I was shocked. <laughs> is the top 70 macabre podcasts. Well, I mean, granted, we were number 58, but still. Hey, we made the list. We'll take it. How bad? We, yeah, exactly. Um, we also have a website now. Yeah. You can uh, go to www.themacabrefamilyhour.com. You can read more about Carrie and I. And, of course, listen to our episodes. Sweet. I will be sure to link that in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Check it out. I built it. So, you know, even just look at it so I can see analytics and think it's cool that people went to our website. Even just for that, I'd appreciate it. (laughs) It is cool. Yeah. Wait, do you have other stuff to share, too? or? Nope, that was it. That's all I have to share. Perfect. That's all kinds of good stuff. What research have you done for us this time? Yeah, we are going to kick off spooky season with one of the most gruesome murders I've ever heard of. Great. Yeah. There are countless other podcasts about this case, but this one is the one that scarred me. So naturally, I wanted to tell Carrie about it. (laughs) Yeah, I love hearing about that stuff. So let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard about the case of Kelly and Bates? Nope. I know Kathy Bates, though, from American Horror Story. Yeah, I don't know her. I I haven't watched American Horror Story still. I know. Um, But I just wanted to give our listeners a warning. This gets really rough at the end. So if you're sensitive, maybe skip this one or brave it out with us because we're going to get into it. Well, let's dig in. Yeah. Okay, so Kellyanne Bates was born on April 18th, 1978 in Hattersley, Great Manchester, England. Yeah, it's right she, next to your birthday. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, she was the middle of three siblings. She had two brothers. Oh, and she yeah. was the middle. So stuck in between the two. Stuck in between. She was also really super close with her parents, um, Margaret and Tommy. And the people who knew Kelly said that she was an old soul and had a bubbly personality. She was known for her independence and maturity, and most of her friends were older than her. And she also dreamed of becoming a teacher. So when Kelly was 14 years old, she was babysitting and met a man who was friends with the people she was babysitting for. So I guess he was there hanging out. Like met and a man he, like interested yeah. like? oh Yeah, like I'm digging you, man. He offered to walk her home because he wanted to keep her safe. Nice. And, Good move. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a charming dude, but you just wait. Uh, Kelly accepted and she thought he was charming and really liked the attention from someone who was older than her. The man she met was James Patterson Smith. And when they began dating, Kellyanne was 14 and James was 48. Oh, that's not a nice man. No, he's not going to be a nice man. A lot older than her. That was a huge age gap, even for back then. Yeah, that's rough. What year was uh, this about where they met? So she was born in 78, so 91. Oh, geez. That's not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. You were born in 93. Yeah, exactly. So around the time I was born, they met. Initially, Kelly hid the relationship from her parents. That Smart. makes sense because yeah. he's very old. And it was a grooming tactic by James. He encouraged her not to tell her parents. Whoa. Red flag. They dated for two years before she told her parents. And she, yeah, she finally told them that she was dating an older man and wasn't specific about how much older and then lied about his name told them that she was dating a man named Dave. Her parents assumed that he was in college or something because she had older groups of friends. So it wouldn't have been abnormal for her to be dating somebody that was in college. I think it's abnormal. 14. Whew. Well, I guess, well, oh, she was 16 at this time. I mean, still, even in the 90s, that was a uh, kind of a no-no. Yeah. Yeah. And her mom even asked around to friends to see if anybody knew and this guy named Dave, but of course nobody knew him because he didn't exist. That wasn't his name. Nope. Kellyanne started to sneak out at night and wouldn't return home for days on end. Her parents would call around and drive to friend's house trying to find her. And they even called the police one time, but they said because Kelly was Kellyanne was 16, they couldn't do much about it. Huh? Yeah. Different times. Which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This is also in England and I'm not sure what the, laws of you know when you're considered an adult is oh yeah that's true i have no idea either yeah i know it's a no-no here yeah definitely dave would talk well dave would talk on the phone with her mother often when he wouldn't hear from kelly he would call their house with concerns about her behavior and her whereabouts stalkery yeah creepy. very controlling yeah and But at first, her mom thought this was a good thing, that she had somebody else that was also looking out for Kellyanne. I mean, he was looking out for her. Yeah, in the worst way. <laughs> in 
it wasn't until her parents met this boyfriend of Kellyanne's that they found out he was 32 years older than her and his real name was James Patterson Smith. And they knew who he was then? Once they met. Oh, okay. They didn't know him prior. No, yeah. Oh, well, I guess they talked on the phone. Well, but yeah, they didn't. but I mean, like, they didn't, like, all of a sudden say, hey, we know you from so-and-so. Oh, yeah. No, no, they didn't know him in real life. Or in they person are close to the same that. age. Yeah, exactly. Actually, he's I think probably he a lot was older like, than them. I think he was, like, two years older than her dad or something. Weird. Yeah. Margaret said about their meeting, quote, Margaret, her mom, as I walked in, he swaggered down the stairs, and it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. He was much older than I expected and looked a bit like John Denver, but he was smarmy. He said, nice to meet you at last. And all I could think was how I wanted to get rid of him. That's the mom saying that? Yeah. I mean, that's any responsible mother would say something like that. I'm sure a daughter brings someone. What they say? Smarmy? Smarmy. Smarmy. Yeah, I, I, lo- that means, I looked up that doesn't word. sound great. <laughs> it is. Um Perceived as insincere or excessive. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I can picture it. Yeah. Um, But at first, they didn't try and stop her from dating him. Um, They accepted their relationship because, as I said before, Kelly was an old soul and spent a lot of time with older people, and they had always trusted her. So, a little bit about James and his background. James slash Dave? James slash Dave, yeah. He was unemployed and divorced. He was described by others as house proud and well-groomed. What and the he, hell is house proud? Where are all these words? That, I know. This is because I found these in like, you know, articles from Britain and things like that. That's why. Oh, they're British. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I did understand. have to look it's, up tons of It's English, of words. but it's also different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, basically meaning I, he takes really good care of his house. Is house proud? Huh. And I don't know why. I guess somebody I'm not very describe. house proud then. Yeah. <laughs> not me, people. Yeah. I also don't know why people would describe people. Like, what is that term? Like, what does that tell you about a person? I don't know. It's weird. They're serial killers. Yeah, I guess so. Um, he also didn't drink any alcohol or smoke. Um, he was married for 10 years and it ended in 1980 due to domestic violence. Hmm. Yeah. Another After red flag. Yeah, exactly. After his marriage ended, James began dating 20-year-old Kelly Watson between 1980 and 1982. It was, once again, a violent relationship. He severely beat her, including attempting to drown her in the bathtub when she was pregnant with his child. Oh, shit. Yeah. Just gets worse and worse with this guy. How old was his first wife? Was she similar age or was she a lot younger like these other women i didn't find any information about his wife and the only reason i found information about these women is because they testified in the trial so i did couldn't even find her her name um and then after he dated kelly watson he then dated 15 year old wendy Mottershead. like some young yeah it's just getting younger and younger And he also attempted to drown her just in the kitchen sink. Uh, He clearly had a pattern of violence. Yeah, clearly. Really liked the drownings. women that were young. Yeah. Uh, Kellyanne's father even described James as, quote, a time bomb waiting to go off. Nice. He is just a peach. 
So back to Kellyanne and James's relationship. Like the others, it was very volatile and violent. James was extremely possessive and triggered a change in Kelly. She wouldn't shower or brush her hair and spent a lot of time laying around on the couch, which was very unlike her. Then she started showing up at home with bruises and bite marks on her body. She was spending more and more time away from home and often stayed the night at James's. And then when Kelly didn't stay at his house, he called her house over and over and over again to check on check and see what she was doing. Toxic. Um, Kelly was flattered by this and thought that was him just showing his affection. Totes cute. Yeah, love that. Just a loving boyfriend. Yes. There was a point where they did break up, but to her parents' disappointment and fear, they got back together not long after. In one instance, Kelly came home with one side of her face completely bruised and told her parents that she was jumped by some girls. Kellyanne's parents knew that she was lying and begged her to end the relationship, but she refused. It was too late, and she was completely under his control. On November 30th, 1995, Kellyanne left the family home to move in with James in Furnival Road, Gorton, at the age of 17. Oh my gosh. Just up and packed up all her stuff and moved in with her groomer slash boyfriend slash abuser. Yeah. She became increasingly sheltered in his home and even quit her job in December of that year, so shortly after she moved in. She continued to talk to her parents on the phone for a while, but it wasn't long until the phone calls became less and less frequent. The family would receive birthday cards and Christmas cards saying that they were from Kellyanne, but they were written and signed by James. Weird. weird. Yeah, isn't it weird? Very unnecessary, too. Yeah. He just wanted to be that controlling. He couldn't even let her have that. Right? Couldn't even let her write a goddamn card to her family. Had to proofread it and make sure she wasn't writing for help, probably. Probably. Because she never left that house. Um, When Margaret and Kelly would ask Kelly, or sorry, when Margaret and Tommy Bates would ask Kelly Ann about visiting, she claimed she was always busy with work, but she didn't have a job. And it's clear that he methodically did this to her, like taking her from any of her family, any of her friends, so that it was impossible for her to leave him, which is what is another grooming technique. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. What these groomers (laughs) do to people. (laughs) Yep. Separate them from everybody and everything else and make it seem like the only world is the world that they provide. Yeah, he's a creep. Um, The last time Kellyanne talked to her parents was on the phone on March 10th, 1996. After they stopped hearing from her, Kellyanne's parents said that they were too afraid to go to James's house and check on her because they were afraid that that would drive her further away from them. So they never went to his house to see what was going on. And then on and they April couldn't just 16th, text her back then either. Yeah, exactly. Like they had no contact with her other than his house phone. I'm sure he wasn't just letting her have free reign over that. Yeah, I doubt she had even a pager where they could be like, hey, call this number. Yeah. Let us know you're okay. Yeah. Beep us. Exactly. So then on April 16th. Hey, that's your birthday. birthday. Yeah. 1996. James walked to a local police station and said that his girlfriend accidentally drowned in the bathtub. Damn. He said, yeah. He has a real, uh, he definitely has a method to, to how he likes to do things, doesn't he? Right. Just repeatedly drowning these women. 
but this time um, he was successful. He said she swallowed some water and was, and he was unsuccessful in resuscitating her. Oh, I've almost, you know, had some close calls from going down the wrong pipe when I've drank before and it's been rough at times. So (laughs) I don't know. He told police I've killed her. I know I have. I know I'm going away. I know there is no point. I'm going to get found out anyway. So he just up and confessed shortly after saying she choked on water and died that yeah, way. Yeah, pretty much. He just said, Bell, that my story's stupid. I <laughs> quit. Yeah, and I'm not exactly sure at what point he said that because that was a quote um, that police recited from trial. But from what I read, it was shortly after he went to the police station. So like they're just sitting there interrogating him and he's like, ah, you know what? I can't do this. I give up. You got me. Yeah. I did it. I drowned her. I I choked her on water. Yeah. Um, And then so police went back to the house or went to the house of James and Kellyanne and they found something much more sadistic than an accidental drowning. Authorities found Kellyanne's body naked in one of the bedrooms. Kelly Ann's blood was smeared on the floor and walls of every room in the house. Well, yeah, it sounds like he didn't even try to cover it up then. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I've never heard about a drowning with a whole bunch of blood and. Yeah, zero sense. And did he not think everywhere. That they were going to find out what happened immediately when they got there? Yeah. I mean, I guess gonna... that's why he said, I'm going to get found out anyway. Yeah, because he didn't he clean up the it. crime scene. He's like, oh, yeah. damn it. I knew I forgot to do something before I left <laughs> for the police station. For real. Police immediately charged him with murder, obviously. And despite the gruesome scene, James maintained his innocence, said that her death was an accident and she drowned. How do you excuse that? He didn't even try. Yeah. Kellyanne's final cause of death was drowning after she had been beaten repeatedly on the head with a shower head. Oh, what? But this wasn't Like it detached? Like... The one yeah, I washed my dogs with? Shower head. Yeah. Uh, but this wasn't all. Kelly had over 150 injuries all over her body. Holy crap. And this had not been just one act of violence. According to her autopsy, these injuries happened over a span of three weeks. So we tortured her for three weeks straight. Yes. Pathologist William Lawler, who documented her injuries, said it was, quote, the worst display of methodical torture he had ever witnessed. The worst ever? The worst ever. And he had done hundreds of autopsies. Her 150 injuries included, let's get a little rough here. All right. Um, cigarette burns on her body. Whoa. A brand on her thigh by a hot iron. Burns from hot water were on her feet and her butt. What the hell? She had multiple stab wounds on her entire body from knives, forks, and several different pairs of scissors. There were even stab wounds found on the inside of her mouth. On the inside? Like he just threw a knife in there and said, chew on that? Yeah. She also had a broken arm. Both of her kneecaps were crushed. Her hands were smashed. Her hair was ripped out from being tied to the radiator. They found her hair still tied to it in the house. There were ligature marks on her neck from strangulation. 
She had also been partially scalped. Her eyes, nose, mouth, lips, eyebrows, and genitalia had been mutilated. And, and this is all while she's alive before she even got Yes, this she wasn't even dead yet. They just tortured her for weeks and yeah. weeks. And the one that gets me the most, her eyes had been gouged out. Oh. Coroner found that it had been done no less than five days and no more than three weeks before she died. So oh, she, she was, was in so much pain. And just alive with her eyes not in their sockets. What the living. Hell, man. Did it say how he gouged them out? Or? Mm-mm. Okay. I probably don't want to know anyway, but. Yeah. Uh, there were also stab wounds in her eye sockets. Oh my so God. After so like, he removed after... her eyes, he was just stabbing her in the eye sockets. Jesus. This guy's a monster. Yeah. Worse than the eyeball killer. Yeah. Way worse. Episode I know. Five. He is, this is gruesome and horrible. She had also lost 44 pounds from starvation and hadn't had water in several days. And this fucking monster was still maintaining his innocence. I mean, that's pretty saying damning. That he didn't all do this. All he's saying is he didn't kill her, right? Or is he saying, I didn't do this for the last five weeks, whatever. Well, he None eventually starts saying that she did this to herself. He goes back and forth between she did this to herself and she made me do it. So she at this me, point, she though, asked me, she asked me yeah. to help her not be able to see anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God, that just gets me, man. Oh, God. That poor girl. Um, Kelly Ann's father was unfortunately the one who had to identify her body. Oh, my God. She was pretty unrecognizable. Over to the trial. The jury consisted of seven men and five women. And the other... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're going to be shocked. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Um, the other women <laughs> from James's past... I was about to stop the episode <laughs> right like, here. Wait a minute. We're Why done did you here. This? I don't want yeah. this anymore. I, like, I do not like sad endings on top of sad endings. I know. It's just, this is definitely a rough okay, one. Okay, let's get, let's get through it. Okay. Um, the other woman from James's past came forward to testify. 15-year-old Wendy Mottershead, she was the one who he held her under the water in the kitchen sink, testified, and so did 20, 20-year-old Tina Martin. This is the one he tried to dry, drown in the bathtub while she was pregnant and said that he used her as a human punching bag. So James takes the stand, and he spent the trial attempting to deny or excuse what he did to Kellyanne. Claimed she, quote, would put me through hell winding me up. And that yeah, she would he... taunt him about his dead mother. She would wind me up. Well, other people wind other people up and they don't get brutally tortured and murdered. No, inexcusable. Yeah. He, yeah, like I said, he also said that she would dare him to do these things to her. And challenged him to hurt her. And that um, she also, quote, had a bad habit of hurting herself to make it look to make it look worse for me. It was revealed during the trial that the day before Smith went to the police station to tell them that Kellyanne had died, he told a minister of the religious group that he belonged to. This is so religious. Yeah, you gotta find God. <laughs> yeah. That quote, his girlfriend and her lying was making him mad. And that quote, he could well understand why women why men killed their women. <laughs> Just said that to a minister. He needs to find a support group. Yeah. 
you know, when they just make you so mad that you could just, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then drown him. The fucking loser. He was asked to go over her injuries during the trial. Most of them he blamed on her, um, but he did end up explaining some of them. And it, obviously her family was there and that was really hard for them to hear. I could I not even imagine. Just a bunch of lies and excuses. Yeah. Peter Openshaw, the prosecutor in the trial, said, quote, it was as if he deliberately disfigured her, causing her the utmost pain, distress, and degradation. The injuries were not the result of one sudden eruption of violence. They must have been caused over a long period and were so extensive and so terrible that the defendant must have been deliberately and systematically tortured the girl. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to do it over weeks and weeks and weeks with that many injuries. Yep, exactly. Unless it's deliberately planned out. Um, they had, did have a psychiatrist evaluate James, obviously, because he's a yeah, fucking he psycho. One. Yeah. Uh, and the psychiatrist found that he had severe paranoid disorder with morbid jealousy and a distorted reality. That sounds uh, like he fits the type. Yep. From groomer to killer. Yeah. Just like exactly. that. So then on November 19th, 1997, the jury took less than an hour to come back with a guilty verdict. Wow. That is very quick. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, An hour. job. Yep. They sentenced James Patterson Smith to life in prison with a minimum of 20 years. With a minimum? They didn't just say, well, you're just going to die there. Well, it's life in prison. So he's up for parole in 20 years. There's no way. He shouldn't have even been parole. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. He should just not be on this earth <laughs> still though um, good job convicting him in an hour yeah yeah agreed the judge said quote this has been a terrible case a catalog of depravity by one human being upon another you are a highly dangerous person you are an abuser of women and i intend so far as it is in my power that you will abuse no more hell yeah Fuck yeah get rock him, star Manchester Crown Court offered professional counseling services to the jurors after this case because of the extreme violence and the detail of her injuries, as well as crime scene photos. I'm sure they had to look at all of them. Yeah, every single one of the jurors accepted. I would. So James is still alive and is currently serving his sentence in prison. Go fuck yourself, James. Yeah, I hope you hear this. Yeah, listen to this. Kelly Ann's parents had a men's guilt after the death of their daughter. It was very sad. They've did many interviews recalling what they wish they would have done or said to her. Um, her father said, quote, I think about how much pain she must have been in, how much she must have thought we, w- we didn't love her because we didn't save her. So sad. sad. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully they're able um, to help others somehow. Yeah. Her mom, Margaret, passed away in 2020 due to illness. She was always saying how she wanted to get back with Kelly. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. And the father? He's still alive. Um, So, yeah, I think we can all agree that uh, James is a disgusting, not even human. He's a monster. He's a monster. Absolutely horrible. Deserves nothing. Yeah. My cart goes out to Kellyanne and her family. She didn't deserve this. No one deserves this. It's heartbreaking that her life had to end in such a tragic way. So that's all I have for you guys today. I know that was rough. Kicked it off with a really hard one. Really dark one. Yeah, super dark. 
but thank you guys here. for coming back and listening, even though it has been a while. Yeah, we'll uh, have another one every week going forward, hopefully for a while. Yeah, we're already ready for next week. All right, we're doing it next week too. Yeah. Wow, Cass, we really appreciate you doing the research for this dark and definitely macabre tale from England. It's a shame that it happened at all, but I'm glad you were able to bring attention to Kellyanne Bates' tragic demise, a story that especially here in the U.S. many of us probably haven't heard of until today. There were definitely warning signs that fortunately as a society we're much more attuned to hearing about and aware of, which is good, I guess. But next week, our story includes a mysterious disappearance that we are very excited to bring you guys. Cass, where can our listeners find us? Yeah, a little less dark next week, too. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at the Macabre Family Hour and listen to all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now our new website, www.themacabrefamilyhour.com. Nice. Uh, yeah. Also, if you have any stories you'd like to hear or comments about cases we've covered, email us at themacabrefamilyhour at gmail.com. As always, good night from our macabre family dears. Good night. Thank you.